Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I am Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. Today, I'm going to talk to you guys about cryptocurrencies. It's definitely been in the news lately. It is becoming one of the more hotly discussed topics amongst investors lately. Um, There's lots of debate about, is it a valid form of payment? You know, is it a real currency, as the name suggests? Could it be a store of value? Is it the future? Will it overtake other currencies or kind of the pipe dreams? Uh, But there's more realistic investing cases lately. And for the first time in my life, I have invested in cryptocurrency. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about what cryptocurrency is. I'm going to cover a little bit of information about the major ones today. And then mostly I'm going to focus on what I've invested in and why and kind of teaching you guys about that position. So without further ado, let's jump in and talk crypto. This is a fun topic. You know, it's something that's been on my radar for a long time. And I guess as an investor, my immediate reaction is typically to be skeptical. And what I mean by that is that I've seen lots of people kind of come and go and everyone go, oh, you know, this is the new way to become a millionaire overnight, blah, blah, blah. So when I see big run-ups and I see manias, I kind of try to steer clear of them. I'm a big believer in that mantra in investing that if you protect the downside, the upside will take care of itself when you when you own valuable things, when you own things that do create good value for consumers, especially companies and equities is kind of what I traditionally invest in rather than alternate investments or uh, currencies, especially I've never traded FX or uh, you know currency plays and stuff like that. And there's, you know, lots of uh, fly by night characters in those spaces claiming to know how to teach you how to trade FX or how to trade currencies and make huge bucks and huge returns overnight. And I've just always kind of been skeptical, I guess. And during the first run up of Bitcoin, I was especially skeptical. My first brush with Bitcoin was with the concept of it as a cryptocurrency, one that couldn't be tracked by the government and therefore being used by the Silk Road. And if you're not if you're not familiar with the Silk Road, it's definitely an interesting read. Uh, I read this book about the guy, uh, I forget his name who founded it, but it's basically this guy, um, I believe he's in San Francisco. He's definitely in the Northwest. But anyway, so he founded the Silk Road. It was essentially like in uh, um, this back webs of the internet, the dark web, they call it. You could access it through like a torrent browser and you could get on there and not be tracked by the government. And there's these people doing all sorts of terrible things on there. Uh, drugs were kind of the most benign. I mean, there's people who are like selling hitman services and um, all sorts of terrible things on there. And they would transact oftentimes rather than using cash or meeting up in person, they'd transact online through cryptocurrency and drugs would just show up at these people's houses and stuff. So that was kind of how I first became familiar with uh cryptocurrencies and specifically Bitcoin. Uh, although that's a little bit of a misnomer because Bitcoin actually can be tracked uh, in a backdoor way now. So they use this one cryptocurrency called Monero for doing illicit transactions. But nonetheless, I want to get back on topic a little bit. My first brush with cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin was, was an incorrect assumption that that's what they were used for that cryptocurrencies were normally used for nefarious activities, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I've kind of learned now that 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 initial brush was incorrect. And in that, I really got punished because kind of similar to Wall Street bets and stuff like that, I was familiar with cryptocurrency early on. You know, I got uh, a friend who works at Amazon who made me aware of it when Bitcoin was $800. I looked up the chart real quick. I was like, oh yeah, it's that currency that people use on the Silk Road and the dark web and stuff. What's going on with it? Oh my goodness. It's appreciated up to $800 a coin. That's insane. Yeah. You should not buy that. It's going to crash any second now. (laughs) I totally missed out on the run. So I'm not the best investor when it comes to manias. I'll preface this whole podcast with saying that I tend to be kind of late to them. 
Uh, and I tend to wait until there's real buy-in and I look more for, you know, two to three X, maybe four X returns when I jump into more risky investments, not so much like a thousand X or a hundred X the way some of these altcoins are really looking for. So anyways, with that said, uh, I want to jump in and talk a little bit about crypto. I missed the initial run up because of that skepticism, but now I'm very sold on the concept of Bitcoin. And I think that Bitcoin is a legitimate store of value. I'm going to unpack what that means on this podcast, but I think it is a legitimate store of value that's becoming more legitimate by the moment. There are major players pouring into this for the first time. There's major people who are putting, um, you know, like Tesla, for example, put on their balance sheet. And I'm going to talk about that during this. Uh, it, it is becoming a useful store of value and a hedge against inflation, in my opinion. And I do have less than 5% of my portfolio allocated to various cryptocurrencies, but primarily Bitcoin and Ethereum. I'm going to talk about that today. So let's begin with a quick overview of what cryptocurrencies are for people who are not familiar with them. Uh, so they kind of know what we're talking about. A cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency that is secured by cryptography, uh, which makes it nearly impossible to counterfeit or double spend. Many cryptocurrencies are decentralized networks based on blockchain technology, which is a key feature of this that we'll talk about a little bit. A distributed ledger enforced by a disparate network of computers. A defining feature of cryptocurrencies that they are generally not issued by any central authority. That's very important. They're not issued by any government, rendering them theoretically immune to government interference or manipulation. So let's unpack this a little bit. It starts out, cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency. So of course, you know, we're used to doing a lot of our transactions virtually. You know, obviously most of your transactions in life are done through online portals and you might pay your bills online and use a credit card and things like this rather than just hard cash. So we're all kind of used to this concept of money being a symbol for uh, value, right? And we accept that and we accept the concept of transferring money to friends online and things like this. So that's not too unfamiliar to people. But what's unfamiliar to them is using a currency that doesn't have a centralized authority. Because I mean, the vast majority of the world and most of my listeners use the US dollar or the euro. Those things are backed by the US dollar, you know, the United States, right? So they're the ones who control the supply of it, how much of it is in circulation. Uh, they control the actual printing and security of it, making sure that it's not counterfeited. But it goes through central authority and lots of times our institutions require a central authority to record to record ledgers. So if someone makes a major transaction buying a house or something like that uh, or buying like an equity or something like this, there's a clearinghouse that, you know, in, in that ensures that money is actually transferred, right? The, uh, there tends to be waiting periods for major funds to be put through. And there's a central authority that's kind of uh, uh, verifying all these transactions that both the buyer and the seller came together and it's recording that in a place that can be referenced later. And that's especially important if a transaction occurs where either the buyer or the seller disputes its, its legitimacy later. If they come back and say, no, that that didn't actually happen, then they can turn to the central authority and, and that person has the legal issue or that, that entity has the legal issue to say, no, this is who actually has that money now and why. So the concept of Bitcoin or like cryptocurrencies is very interesting because they use a blockchain rather than that central authority. And I'm going to refer you guys to the white paper for uh, Bitcoin or just to Investopedia is where I love to research these things. And you can look up the blockchain if you want a technical understanding. But suffice it to say, the way it works is that a, a bunch of computers that participants willingly lend their computing power to these nodes uh, are all they're, they're trying to do is talk to one another and agree on what transactions have happened. So rather than there being one central authority that says this transaction actually occurred, there's a system of nodes saying, yes, this transaction between these two people occurred. 
It's a little bit technical and complicated to get into how that happens. But again, you could look up the white paper for Bitcoin and get a good understanding of it, which is actually a really good read, I think. A bit technical, but most people can kind of get through it relatively easily. Uh, certainly searching the blockchain on Investopedia would kind of teach you more about it. But it, it's a really groundbreaking technology because it gets rid of all the inefficiencies and the wait time, not to mention the fees, theoretically, of using a central authority for verifying transactions. So now we have two defining features of cryptocurrency that are appealing. The first one's that it's virtual, which, you know, currencies can be virtual, like the U.S. dollar could be virtual for sure. And, and lots of our transactions are virtual. So that's not necessarily a competitive advantage for cryptocurrencies. The second feature of it is that it uses this decentralized network. This is a big advantage because it means that these cryptocurrencies can more efficiently be used as a currency for transactions or for two people sharing value. Uh, it can cut down on the wait times for those transactions to be verified and recorded. And people can transact more freely, especially when you get into like international uh, transactions. Like if you were trying to send someone a valuable trading card, like a Pokemon card that lives in Europe, you know, how could you go about transacting and, and guaranteeing that they have the money when the card arrives or XYZ, you know, and without there being a big clearinghouse or fees associated with that? Well, you know, some people would argue that Bitcoin or, or a similar cryptocurrency could be a solution to that type of issue. So with that dream in mind, lots of people started to buy into cryptocurrencies, especially in the mid 2010s, like around 2015, 2016. I think the big hype was 2017 when Bitcoin had its first uh, really notorious run up before a huge crash that was kind of prolonged until recently. It's on another rally. Um, so it's a very volatile thing to invest in. But I'd say the initial skepticism, and I certainly was skeptical personally of uh, Bitcoin in particular, was, you know, would people really adopt this? Could it really become a currency the way it's been stated that it, that it ought to? Um, but it's an interesting thing with currencies because currencies become valid when enough people believe in them, right? So there's kind of like a network and growing effect that if enough people do buy into Bitcoin and enough big players say that it's legitimate, it kind of becomes more legitimate by virtue of that. It does have some advantages in technology. I kind of briefly outlined there that I'm a big believer in perfectly. But the, one of the big things is what I said later, a defining feature of cryptocurrencies, they're generally not issued by any central authority. So again, you know, you don't have to rely on a government for them, but rendering them theoretically immune to government interference or manipulation. That's huge. Because, for example, in the United States, uh, we printed trillions and trillions of dollars in stimulus in response to COVID. And it may have been the right choice, given a difficult circumstance, but I've made the argument on this podcast, that's going to be very inflationary, right? That you got to invest your money because if you sit in cash, the purchasing power of that cash is going to decrease as that money supply increases. Well, cryptocurrency isn't really subject to that, right? That is that it should theoretically kind of be a hedge against inflation if it, it does become legitimate. And I think that's part of why it has this big run up is that it could be a store of value against inflation. Kind of people are comparing it to um, a digital gold that rather than investing in gold as a store of value and a hedge against inflation, like many money managers, hedge funds, investors, XYZ over the years would do that theoretically, you know, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies could, uh, replace part of that in people's portfolios and be a good store of value for people like me who believe that inflation's on the rise. It's kind of a, a new age solution to the same issue that for the same reason, our parents might've bought gold with no intention of actually ever taking delivery of that gold, like buy a gold ETF through their, you know, E-Trade or Fidelity or whatever. Uh, you know, we might buy cryptocurrency in our generation as a store of value. Well, that's kind of become my big key thesis for buying cryptocurrencies is that I do believe that they're the new age, you know, they're, they're the millennial store of value. And what you're seeing is that some major players are starting to see the same thing and starting to adopt it. 
And I think that's very encouraging for cryptocurrencies. And one of the defining reasons that I bought into them and that I've started to invest in them, again, less than 5% of my portfolio, which is kind of a reasonable thing from a risk management standpoint. But nonetheless, I am getting invested and am getting more interested in them and may allocate more to them over time, to be honest. So I started building a position in them about a month ago, and it was kind of a complicated thing for me to do. You know, my first thing that I did, because, and I should back up, lots of the major brokerages that people use for trading stocks and trading equities and things don't trade cryptocurrencies. So when I made the decision that I wanted to invest in some of these cryptocurrencies, it was really difficult for me to understand the best and safe way to, to use them or to buy them, I should say. Um, there's different ways to go about it. Some, you know, the root cause of getting a cryptocurrency is to mine it, to use your computer and lend its computing power to that network I mentioned earlier to verify transactions. And in return for that, the different coins give you coins. You know, they actually give you currency in return for lending uh, your computing power, but also paying your electric bills associated with that because it takes a lot of electricity to power some of these ledgers and coins. So anyways, so that's one way to go about getting them. I had no interest in setting up a mining rig and trying to mine cryptocurrencies or mine Bitcoin. I just wanted to invest my US dollars into it and convert it. So I was like, how do I do that? So Fidelity doesn't have a way of doing it outside of what's called Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. And that's a big uh, trust that you can trade. It has a ticker GBTC. And it's basically available for people who don't want to set up another account like Robinhood or I use Coinbase now. And I'm going to talk about that, you know, for people who didn't want to set that up or didn't want to mine it or find some other way of like learning about cryptocurrencies to buy the actual coins direct from other people who own them or something complicated like that. You could buy this Grayscale Bitcoin trust. Well, the reason I don't like that is because it actually trades to a premium of its holdings underneath, meaning that if it has let's say $100 billion worth of Bitcoin in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, it might trade at $140 billion cap or a 40% premium to the amount of Bitcoin it holds because of that liquidity, because it offers people access to Bitcoin. So people are driving up that ticker higher than they ought to based on the underlying Bitcoin that it owns just so that they can get exposure to Bitcoin which is fine. It tends to correlate with what's going on with Bitcoin in the background, but it is just kind of a, a, a proxy for buying the real thing. I was more interested in buying the real thing and controlling it and uh, maybe actually being able to take the Bitcoin out of the, a brokerage and use it as a real currency one day. Who knows? So I started out on Robinhood. And as I mentioned in my other podcast about GameStop, I, I got dismayed by Robinhood because of what they did during GameStop. And if you're interested in what that is and, and why I think they're so, such a controversial platform and a bad actor, you can go listen to that podcast again. Um, it's my most recent one before this. But anyways, I decided uh, to delete my Robinhood. And when I did that, I got interested in Coinbase again. And I really do like Coinbase. I downloaded both, both Coinbase, but then also Coinbase Pro. Coinbase, the basic site has a very slick interface. It's great for looking at the cryptocurrencies. It has a great, uh, great graphs for the different cryptocurrencies and kind of explanations and links to what each different one is. So for example, if you click on the Bitcoin one, it's going to give you an overview tab that shows you charts and you can pick, you know, one year view or one week, whatever you want. And it's very interactive. You can look at the charts. So here I am, you know, one year ago, Bitcoin was trading at $9,600 or so call it in January of 2020. Now it's all the way up at $50,000. So a 10 X in it, or sorry, a five X in a year, unbelievable run. But you can see all that in the basic Coinbase shows you trading activity. It shows you their market cap is currently $920 billion, which is pretty unbelievable about to go through a trillion dollars, I believe. 
And then it gives you a little disclaimer about Bitcoin. The world's first crypt cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is stored and exchanged securely on the internet through a digital ledger known as a blockchain, like I mentioned. Bitcoins are divisible into smaller units known as Satoshis. Each Satoshi is worth, I think it's one, one, one hundred millionth of a Bitcoin. But anyway, so that's just to say that you can divide up Bitcoins to do smaller transactions since one Bitcoin is currently worth close to $50,000. But then it gives you a link to the website and the official white paper. And this is how I've been jumping off my research for different uh, cryptocurrencies. And I can't give investment advice for this podcast for entertainment purposes only. But the way that I've invested in, in cryptocurrency so far is that I've done less than 5% of my overall liquid portfolio. So again, kind of managing the risk of this very volatile asset so far, I've done less than 5% of my overall portfolio allocated to all the cryptocurrencies. Of that less than 5%, let's look at that as a separate pie. Of that pie, I've done uh, about 50% into Bitcoin about 30% into Ethereum and about 20% into quote unquote altcoins. And I'll get into which altcoins I picked and why, but that's kind of how I've broken up the portfolio for my risk tolerance today. It has crept up to be closer to 25% uh, Ethereum, 25% altcoins, and sometimes even 20% uh, Ethereum, 30% altcoins, because these altcoins are very volatile and can have a lot more growth potential, I believe, than uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum. But they... Uh, um, they tend to uh, uh, kind of move in sync with them somewhat, just be more volatile. So anyways, the the percentages kind of move around because sometimes those things gain so much value so quickly that they kind of swap around the percentages of that pie. But that's kind of the way my portfolio looks from a, a thousand foot view right now. So I really like Bitcoin. It's the big winner that everyone's familiar with. Again, my investment thesis for it is that it's becoming an increasing uh, contender for being a store of value in people's portfolios. And one of my biggest points of evidence for this is the is the big breaking news in the last week that Tesla decided to buy $1.5 billion in Bitcoin, and even better than that, to accept it as a payment form for buying their cars. So this really legitimizes the currency in two ways. A, it legitimizes it as a real currency, which I kind of have my skepticisms about will it really be adopted. Uh, that people are actually doing transactions for regular goods and services over Bitcoin. Maybe uh, I kind of have my skepticisms about that, but nonetheless, it's huge that uh, for the the case that it, this could become a legitimate currency and alternative to the U S dollar and things like this, or the Euro that uh, they uh, are accepting it as payment for the cars. But more importantly, I think is the news they're taking 1.5 billion of their cash on hand because big corporations hold cash and cash equivalents for, you know, hedges against, uh, on or needs for ongoing operations, hedges against different currencies, make sure that they can remain liquid if they have a disruption in business XYZ. So the Tesla actually used, I believe the number I saw was 9% of their overall cash reserves into Bitcoin, which is a huge percentage to put into Bitcoin. That's really monumental news and very bullish for Bitcoin that they made that move. Um, so again, Tesla put 1.5 billion into it of their cash reserves. And I think basically their reason for this is to hedge against inflation, to use it as a store of value. And that I really do believe in cryptocurrencies for, you know, they, they aren't, they're one of the only ways that you can store value that's not manipulated at all by governments outside of like commodities and, and principally the big winner in that historically has been gold. But if you're just looking for a hedge against inflation and you believe that cryptocurrencies are the future, which I think they have their place in the future order of things, yeah, I really do believe that it could it could stay independent of that. That if if the way that we measure the value of a Bitcoin is dollars and there's more dollars in circulation than ever before, then the price of Bitcoin in dollars will increase over time, all things being equal. I know I'm getting a little bit in the weeds with theory and technical specs on my podcast here compared to others, but 
I do think lots of my listeners are already kind of decently versed in this. So excuse me if I'm getting a little too technical or a little too um, out in the weeds about this, but uh, just suffice it to say that inflation in the dollar could drive up the price of Bitcoin, in my opinion, and could make it a good store of value. And, and basically Elon Musk, who, I mean, right now I would not bet against Elon Musk. Everyone who thinks that he's been wrong at each stage, he hasn't been, you know, so uh, I would bet with him and he really believes in it as a future currency. Uh, he's also, I think for fun, kind of pumped up Dogecoin, which in, in my pet theory about this is that he was pumping up Dogecoin the week before he actually bought the Bitcoin. And I think he was experimenting with, would the news of him buying Bitcoin drive it higher, which would increase his level of safety of doing such a risky move. Cause I mean, it's kind of unheard of for a publicly traded company, especially a company in the S and P 500, like Tesla was recently admitted to, to invest in a cryptocurrency. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone else ever has. There's like one other major company that, that put hundred percent of their cash reserves into Bitcoin. But outside of that, not a lot of people have made this move yet. Uh, there's speculation that Square and Twitter, well, I guess Square has some on their balance sheet, but there's speculation that Twitter and, and some others, maybe even Apple would move this way, especially with Apple Pay adopting it, it could be huge for the cryptocurrency space. So there's speculation that more people will follow Elon Musk's suit, but this is a huge first step. And I think he's just an early adopter. And this is one of my best reasons for a bull case around uh, cryptocurrencies, but especially Bitcoin, is if corporations start to use this as a hedge against inflation and a store of value in their cash and cash equivalents, and then institutional investors do the same, you know, maybe even pension funds and things like that start to buy just a small portion, 2% of their cash reserves, whereas Tesla did 9%. But if they just did 2% of their cash reserves into uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies as a just in case it works out type of thing, just in case it takes the place of gold as a store of value and a hedge against inflation, then Bitcoin's price is going to explode. It's going to make $50,000 a coin look cheap. And that's one of the reasons that I really like this space and I like this currency. Uh, I like it as an, as an alternate investment vehicle, I should say, with high volatility expected. Anyway, so I love that bit of news. It made me very bullish on it. And sure enough, the price of Bitcoin has just exploded since then. Uh, Ethereum, I don't want to get too technical again on this, so I'll let you guys do your own research. My, my thousand foot view of Ethereum is that it's a superior technology to Bitcoin. It wasn't the first. Bitcoin was kind of the first one to gain notoriety as a cryptocurrency, and I believe it was the first cryptocurrency ever. But Ethereum kind of came along and fixed a lot of what was wrong with Bitcoin. Uh, you know, and, and, and Ethereum also made a network that different coins can be built on almost like an open source programming opportunity. So there's all sorts of alt no, altcoins that trade on the Ethereum network, which therefore I think le legitimizes Ethereum that much more. So I'm a bull on Ethereum as well. I personally believe that it's going to be more volatile, but that it's going to outperform Bitcoin uh, in the long run is kind of, is my take on it personally. Again, I can't give investment advice, but that's kind of the way I read it. Uh, other things that I have big stakes in, the altcoins that I like, one is called Cosmos. It trades under Atom, A-T-O-M. Uh, it's a really cool um, uh, altcoin. And the reason that I like is that China is trying to allow, it has a cryptocurrency division, but it's blocking a lot of the cryptocurrencies that it can't track because China notoriously wants to, I think, violate human rights with this, but basically track what people are saying about them. And, and they want to control the internet, what's on it, X, Y, Z, notoriously. So anyways, uh, they want to control cryptocurrencies and they're using Atom as a way of tying all the networks together. And that's kind of Atom's uh, case, if I'm not getting confused, is that they give away for different cryptocurrencies to trade on each other's networks, almost like a go between Ethereum and Bitcoin, for example, so that if you had Bitcoin, you could trade it with someone who has Ethereum. So that's a really cool technology. Uh, let's see what else I have here. So if I'm back in. 
Bitcoin. So a couple of the other altcoins, I have this one called Chainlink. I'll let you guys research on your own. I have Litecoin, which has a lot of similarities to Bitcoin, but trades faster. And then I have this one called Aave, um, as well as a very small amount of Ren and Stellar Lumen. So that kind of makes up that 20 to 30% of quote unquote altcoins that I have. The reason that I have altcoins is that they're emerging technologies. And if the crypto space if the cryptocurrency space continues to expand, then altcoins could theoretically well outpace the gains of Bitcoin. So if you believe in the whole space, if you pick some of these high quality altcoins like Chainlink and uh, Cosmos and Aave and things that have a lot of buy-in from people. So like, for example, Aave has a market cap of 5.2 billion, right? So pretty sizable. Let's check out Cosmos. Where is it on here? Cosmos has a market cap of... 5.2 billion as well. So, you know, these are sizable coins right now that a lot of people are believing in and investing in. If some of them start to win, they really could, you know, where Bitcoin might go four to five X in the next five years, in my opinion, I think that Ethereum could go eight X. I think some of these coins could go 20 to a hundred X in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of why I've invested in some of these altcoins that if the whole network takes off, that's your kind of get lucky piece. And again, if you're investing less than 5% of your overall portfolio into this and only 20% is going into all these altcoins, your exposure to any one of them failing is not that big, but the upside could be colossal. And I guess there's a little bit of FOMO, not wanting to miss out on the next thing that runs like this. Cause you know, some of these coins have had really unbelievable runs, right? So like, uh, Cosmos, for example, was trading at $4.00. Uh, back in, when is this? May of last year. Now it's trading all the way up at $26, right? So that's a a 5X in the last year. Let's see what uh, some of these other ones have done. Let's see, I think it was Aave that had a huge run. Let's click on Aave here. Yeah, October, it was created in October. This Aave was, one was, it's an Ethereum token, token. And it was at 50 cents per coin and it's peak, it peaked at $550. So that's 50 cents up to $550, currently trading at $420. That's an 81,154% gain since October of last year. That's unbelievable. Less than six months, it's returned 81,000% to its investors. So you can see how some of these things can just really explode in in, uh, volume and be very uh, profitable. Aave is cool. I'm going to talk about it for a quick second. It's an Ethereum token. Well, it's powered by an Ethereum token, right? So it lives on the Ethereum network, like I mentioned. And what they're trying to do is they're a decentralized non-custodial money market protocol where users can participate as depositors or borrowers. So depositors provide liquidity to the market to earn a passive income where borrowers are able to borrow cryptocurrencies in exchange for paying a variable interest rate. So this is kind of enabling like shorting almost of these cryptocurrencies, right? Where you can borrow them and, and do some more of this like market trading type of thing. So it's basically a network that enables that. And if you own the underlying token, then you're powering that network. So that's a really cool technology. Their website's very slick. And if you have some of these other cryptocurrencies, you can put them up for people to borrow them in return for an interest rate on that site. So that's kind of compelling as well. So again, these things are in their very nascent stage and uh, I'm a bull on them. I like the direction that they're heading, but I do think this run up is just colossal. I think there's a lot of mania in it. So I'm not going to be surprised at all if there's another big correction. I personally don't think that Bitcoin is going to correct down 80% again, like it did in its last fall. So I think that type of buying opportunity is probably gone, but uh, logically another correction would be somewhat prolonged and painful. And I could see it going down to 50, 
you know, losing 50 to 60% of its value before it starts to get some support and cover recover again. Now, having said that there's lots of things in its uh, favor that, you know, if, you know, certainly the big, the Tesla thing was a huge thing that bolstered it. Well, if more institutional investors or more companies follow suit and do a similar move as Tesla, then you're going to see Bitcoin skyrocket from here. So it may be that the best time to invest in Bitcoin was yesterday and second best is today. I certainly could see that. And that's my feeling on it as well. But right now, the way that I'm handling this, and again, can't give investment advice for entertainment purposes only, is that I'm holding about half of what I plan to invest in cryptocurrencies and have the other 50% deployed. So those two numbers combined are less than 5% of my overall portfolio. But my plan is that if I see some buying opportunities or new coins that I like and things like this to deploy some of that cash over time and to quote unquote DCA into this investment, which is something else I have a, a different podcast about if you're curious about that technique. But basically I do have a little bit of money in cryptocurrency now, it's some fun money. And I do believe that it could, uh, it could really take off from here. Um, okay, so some, some bear cases, some people who are naysayers about cryptos, what do they say about it? Well, a big one is that maybe governments will kind of shut it down. I think it's kind of out of their hand now, so I don't believe that's a big threat. Another bear case I hear is that it won't actually be adopted for cryptocurrency or for real currency exchanges. And I could see that narrative. Um, I do think that as a currency, it has some headwinds, so to speak, ahead. Because again, uh, currencies are only as valuable as people perceive them to be. You know, that like classically, you know, certain governments that have runaway inflation and things like that, their currency becomes perceived as worthless. Well, then you, you don't want to hold that currency. You don't want to be paid in it. You don't want to transact in it. So the, the currency, by virtue of all the users of it, believing that it's worthless becomes worthless. So since currencies are a belief system and not everyone believes in cryptocurrencies yet, I think that that's, there's a decent chance that they aren't adopted wholesale as currencies. And certainly that's true of a lot of these altcoins will never be adopted and will fade into nothing over time. Um, so that's a real threat for it, in my opinion. But again, I think that it can have value just as a store of value that the government isn't really involved in or that people perceive the government's not involved in. And I think that that in and of itself could be very valuable and be a reason to buy and hold cryptocurrencies. Um, I think it's a fun way to diversify your portfolio. Although I will say that originally people thought that it would move, that it would not be correlated with the equities, but appears that it is, <laughs> you know, during the last, uh, correction over coronavirus, we saw cryptocurrencies take a nosedive alongside equities. And I'm not an expert enough to talk about that aspect of things, but they do seem to be somewhat correlated. So if you're buying it as a way of having a portion of your portfolio that's non-correlated to equities or like the S&P 500 or something like that, it's looking like that's not something that cryptocurrency will do for you. So that would be another reason to not love, you know, uh, that's one of the reasons that people used to invest in cryptocurrencies and it doesn't seem to be panning out. But nonetheless, again, I think that it's opportunity to be a store of value kind of trumps those things. And I think no matter what happens here, the blockchain is here to stay. When you research and read about blockchain, and I'd really encourage you to do that, take the time and learn about it a little bit. I think you'll be impressed by that technology and see the opportunities for it in all sorts of applications, not the least of which are cryptocurrencies. So I think that blockchain is really here to stay and, and something that will be valuable for humankind and something you're going to see for a long time. Um, so anyways, that's a little overview of cryptocurrency. This is one of the earlier moving things I've been involved in, but I am, it is kind of consistent with when I like to trade. So I don't like to be an early adopter in things like this. Like for example, I didn't invest in Bitcoin during its last run up uh, in 2017, but now that I'm seeing some of this institutional uh, adoption, and especially now that I'm seeing companies like Square holding some of it, and certainly Tesla, I'm becoming increasingly bullish on it. And it's kind of fitting my thesis for when I jump into these more risky type of uh, investments with a small portion of my portfolio. 
So I can't give investment advice. Uh, this podcast for entertainment purposes only, but I personally am voting with my feet and have put a small portion of my portfolio into cryptocurrencies and plan to keep it there. I'm going to keep it there. Um, I always do long-term trading and investing. So uh, I have no intentions of being out of cryptocurrency, even if it drops again, 50, 60%, like I had said, I'm going to ride out those dips and maybe even DCA in and buy some more and see where this, this roller coaster takes me. So I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, it's, this is a podcast that's been demanded by my listeners for a while because lots of you guys invest in cryptocurrencies apparently. So I'd love to hear what you think of uh, my investment thesis in it, what you're doing in it, X, Y, Z. And I'll do a follow-up episode if I have enough content and kind of talk about what different users uh, are doing out there and what their opinions are and, and talk about my opinions of those opinions. So hopefully we'll have a little fun with this and hopefully something we can chat about a bit. So I know there's lots of ways to entertain yourself out there, not the least of which are a bunch of great podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to listen to little old me and I will talk at you soon. Peace.